I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast, where you will be inspired and empowered to connect more deeply with your authentic self as we explore topics of personal development, leadership, and spirituality. Your journey to your most authentic self starts right now. Natalie Moyes is a former director-producer of Atlantic Canada's number one morning show turned certified intentional creativity coach. Through art, she began to heal herself. She now helps women release unhelpful internal stories through this incredible tool. Natalie shares her authentic path to art, what healing looked like for her, and how she now helps others discover and explore who they were always intended to be. Welcome, Natalie Moyes, to... Soul Sister Conversations. Well, hello. I'm so glad you've decided to join me today uh, because you help women change on helpful internal stories using the process of intentional creativity. But before we get to that story, I want to know your backstory. Um, how did you get here into art? I mean, art wasn't your career, but now you teach art. So who were you before this story? Yeah. <laughs> um. I spent 29 years in broadcast television, um, and uh, and I had done no art um, until I was about 40. I did one of those moments where it was okay. I'm 40 now. <laughs> what have I What have I not done that I always said I was going to do? And, um, I took a little bit of watercolor class uh, with a lovely woman named Janet Draper. Um, but I was still working and stuff, so I just really didn't have time to do anything with it. Mm. And you were actually um, director producer for Atlantic Canada's number one morning TV show. Yes, you I was there when it was still breakfast television. <laughs> I wasn't directing it at that time, but uh, so I've done I've done the evening shift with some of the regular news programs. But uh, I've been doing I had been doing mornings for about 20 years. Wow. So yeah, 530 in the morning, every morning. <laughs> yeah, that's an early start. But so you but you have a, a you know, a fairly typical story, like so many people, you you lived, you know, the corporate life, busy, busy life, you were a mom, and you had kids in high school, you know, they were finding their way. Um, you had, you know, a, a long time marriage, you're part of your faith community. Um, but you began to feel burnt out. You said you were even yeah. you were even depressed and you you know you felt trapped with responsibilities. But then one day they gave everybody severance packages. <laughs> and that feels like that's the beginning. Well, it is. Um the the crashing before that, um it just Do you remember the, the winter from hell with all that freaking snow? Yes. Okay. Well that winter did me in. Um, because in addition to going to work to tell everybody to stay home, we had sick people in the house. My mother was moving into nursing care. Um, the guys were in high school and trying to find their, well, one was in high school trying to find its way. The other one was in uh, second year university and struggling. And it just, everything was coming down at about the same time that um, my husband uh, got cancer and was undergoing chemotherapy. So it was just everything at once was like, right. and, uh, and we got through that. And I had no idea what kind of toll that had taken. Sure. Until I finally left. Um, so uh, Le left your struggling. job at, um, at the at the morning show? 
Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, severance packages came down and you'd think at that time I'd have gone, yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, it actually took me 10 days to decide to take the package. And that just tells me what kind of shape I was in at that time, because I felt so obligated to the work that I was doing, so afraid of not doing that work, what that future looked like without it. Mm. Um, and uh, it took me forever. Um, and then I spent the next two weeks going, oh, my God, what's next? Oh, my God, what's next? Okay, I'll look at this class. Oh, I'll look at this. Oh, should I? Yeah, I'll fresh up my resume. And I just was in a whole panic mode. Because it was the uncertainty? Oh, the uncertainty. Plus, I was still on treadmill. I was still on that that hamster wheel of not knowing that I was in this perpetual vortex of got to do, got to do, got to do, got to do, got to do. So uh, about two weeks into that, um, it was the start of Advent. And uh, somebody at church had asked me if I could help with the, uh, the kids' Advent party. And I said, yeah, I've got time to do that. And somewhere during the preparation for that, I stopped and took a moment and went, this is the first Christmas in 29 years that I haven't had something other than Christmas to focus on. You know, so like, I just, I remember going through Christmas at work and, you know, we're in a business, so we need to sell Christmas. And that bugged me. And there was always these things that I wanted to do and couldn't do because if I didn't get to bed by eight o'clock, I was dead in the water. Right. And, and stuff like that. So it was like, I could take this month and become a normal human being um, and pick it up after January and figure out what I'm going to do then. And once I got into that mode, it was like, this is really strange. Mm. What am I going to do? Does it matter what I'm going to do? Right, <laughs> and I started asking myself all these existential questions. Sure, because that's the beginning of, right, you had this identity, right? You had a title and oh, it, you, you have a whole thing around that. And then once you have something like this happen where you lose your job, it does ask the question, who am I? And gives you a whole yeah. new shift. So how long before um, you, you you left your job that the you, you started on a path of art? Well, I had done a little bit of art before then. I had, um, when my husband was going through his chemo treatments, I would sit in the um, in, in the treatment room with him, and I would doodle. Um, and there's a there's a process out there called uh, Zentangle, which is very mindful doodling. It was created by uh, a couple. He was a uh, a monk, and she was. Um, she did calligraphy. And so he noticed that she got in this very mindful state whenever she was doodling and working on her art. And uh, so they created this thing. It's now trademarked and registered. They're making lots and lots of money that has nothing to do with calligraphy or or being a monk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, but all it is, is being purposefully, drawing little marks and lines on a like half the size of a postcard 
and uh and, and it, it it does it puts you in a very mindful state and uh it it's very calming so i i did that um while he was there i did uh i joined the coloring book craze oh my gosh i gave myself coloring book elbow Okay, so you imagine tennis elbow. Well, I gave myself coloring book elbow. I colored and colored and colored. And part of that was I've had a lifelong um, battle with depression, too. And so this was in one of my funks. And uh, (laughs) and I don't know whether it pulled me out or not, but it certainly helped pass the time while I was in it. Right. And uh, so I did some of that. And I'm... I'm naturally a creative person because I, I I think outside the box. It was really good at my job because I could look at something and people thought I was nuts. I, I'm trying to think of an example right now, but, you know, somebody who was coming in and wanted to, to show off their, I wanted to promote, say, their pet rescue. And rather than just have the pet in with a pet rescue, we'd say something like, so I wonder if there's something else we could do. Do you have an event coming up? Um, oh, there, and they said, oh, we're doing Christmas portraits. And I go, okay, let's do um, some pictures. Maybe we could have a, do you have a pet that's interested in putting on a Santa suit? And they go, what? <laughs> yeah. But that's the way my brain thought. So I've always been creative. creative. I've yeah. always been good with metaphor and all of that stuff. So if you were finding um, art um, a little bit before you were actually forced to uh, find a new Natalie and you were starting to find some peace in that, because one of these things you said that, um, and it's a familiar story. You said that you lost you and, you know, on the, doing this treadmill and the status quo, you know, and how was that beginning to show up for you losing yourself? Oh, I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning. Mm. To do your job, you mean I your nor- your regular job at that point? Didn't didn't want to get out to 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 go to work. I um, when I got home, um, it was I would look at everything that needs to be done in the house and go, I'm having a nap. Mm, right. <laughs> I, I just my my whole and and my husband could pick up on it too. There'd be things that I always loved to do and he'd suggest we do it and I wouldn't be interested. Mm. And uh, so, and, and it's one of these cyclical things, like I've gone through it for 30 years. So I'm up and down, but it was just getting harder and harder and harder to pull out of it. The depression you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so that space that got created when I was no longer working um, I very quickly, because of my habit, filled it up with other things, and the other things turned out to be creative things. Mm, yeah. Um, and uh, so I was doing um, stuff for church. And as a matter of fact, at one point, um, we have a minister that you can't say no to. Um, mm-hmm. And he asked me if I'd be interested in uh, helping one of the other ministers do a, a sermon on creativity. And I went, yeah, I could do that. Um, and, and then it turned out that she wasn't available either. And it became my sermon. And I went, oh, <laughs> oh okay. That kind of felt like the uh, universe pushing you onto a path. Just a little <laughs> bit. And uh, there's a great song in the United Church called um, My Love Colors Outside the Lines. Mm. And <laughs> it was my you. theme song. <laughs> oh, it was my theme song. It was just perfect. And uh, And so 
I talked about creativity and the importance of creativity. And um, I started off, it was, it was quite fun. I start this off often, but I have a, um, I have a permaplaked piece of art from my now 23 year old when he was about a year and a half. And uh, so I showed everybody this piece of art and we had a, a discussion about the art as a merit of art without telling them it was from my year and a half old. And um, so people said, Oh, it looks like they're dancing. And Oh, I see somebody running. It's like very abstract because of course, David would not be very, <laughs> was very was one and a half. Uh, good. At, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I pull out the picture because I have the picture of him actually creating it. Um, and my point with showing them that was that, Everyone is inherently creative. Mm. Everybody is. They may not think they are because somewhere along the way, somebody convinced them that they weren't. Mm. And, and, and sometimes it's completely unintentional. And sometimes it's because people who are judging don't look at art as a way of self-expression. They look of art as the end product and does it have any value? Mm. Um, but it's way more important to self-expression. And, and as I got further and further into my sort of quote unquote retirement, which isn't really, um, I started to explore more and more of that. Mm. Now about almost a year later, I discovered this amazing woman. I, I I can't, we don't have enough time for me to describe her to you. Uh, her name is Shiloh Sophia McLeod, and she's created this movement called Intentional Creativity. Um, and it's, she says it's not, she says it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to everybody. It's what everybody does and can do. It's not patented it's not anything it's just that she has named it and has worked towards it and do you know how at um christmas or birthdays if you got a gift from somebody that was handmade do you know that feeling that you get when you have that gift you know it there's there's something about it Mm. um something about the um there's a, there's a specialness to it. There is probably some sentiment behind it. Um, I love handcrafted things like the the craft shows and so on. Oh. I just I, I soak those in. And there's a reason for that, and and that's because if somebody is making something with intention, with love, with thought, then that energy goes into that object. Mm. And I believe that the person on the other end recognizes that, whether they realize it or not, um, which also may explain why in this mass-produced culture of assembly lines and so on, that we're so obsessed with buying stuff because it, we buy it and it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't True. make us happy. Whereas I have these wonderful things all over my house that range from painted rocks to jewelry boxes and earrings and things like that and make me smile every time I look at them. Mm. 
It's so true because it, you're right. I think they're, I think we discount the fact, the energy, like you said, the intention, the love that went into it. And when you give that, it's like you're passing that on, on the other end, it gets released when that person receives it. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Oh, absolutely. You hear things like people, people make prayer scarves and our shawls, all of that stuff is because it's made with intent. It's special. Mm. Um, And people make things with intent all the time. They just don't realize that they're doing it. Like somebody who is a, is a cook or a chef or a wannabe cook or a chef and they make something with joy in their kitchen to give to somebody because, you know, it's not, I got to get supper on the table. It's because I love this and I want to do this. Mm, it's so true. It's so and true. it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Absolutely. So, so I discovered Shiloh and the first thing I learned from Shiloh, she had this course called um, the dance of the critic and the muse. And she uses art to tap into the subconscious stuff that's within you um, that you don't, you know, life is so crazy busy and, and the other voices are so loud that you don't get to hear the really soft, creative, Hey, let's try this voice. And uh, so I, I, when you start examining stuff, then once you see it, And once you label it, then you can understand and work with it. And so I did a lot of work within this course about me, um, work that I'd never done in my life um, because I'd spent my whole life working on other people's agendas. Sure. Like most people, like (laughs) especially women, women spend our whole lives working on other people's agendas. Um, And, uh, so I started to learn things about myself. By, and this is this intentional creativity, which is something that you now teach, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that's so interesting where you tap into the unconscious stuff within you, because I think we're all trying to get there. It's like, how do we do it? So the fact that you are exploring this new way, a, a path of art in order to do that is very interesting. Because one of the things that I, I know you said that, um, I think it might have been on your website that I read this, you said, you know how it feels to lose yourself um, while wearing so many hats, but, and I love this statement, you are still here. The, the, the true you is still underneath of all of that. And when you were taking this course, was this the first time that you were beginning to tap into the real Natalie, do you think? Um, she had popped up once in a while, but she had been long buried. Mm. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of psychology and so on out there today about looking back and seeing things but intentional creativity does a little bit of that but what they do more so is that it's future focused okay so it's more about what if what could what happens um, that sort of thing and asking these questions and where the art comes in is when you ask yourself one of these it could also it could also be called existential questions mm-hmm. or whatever. If if you ask yourself a question and then you spend a, mi- um, a minute or so thinking about that question while you're moving a pen on a paper, even if you're not concentrating on what you're drawing, mm. the critic part of your brain, that, that structured part, that part that um, 
has designated itself your protector, um, which is why it's so loud and harsh because it's had free reign for a long time, Mm -hmm. um, gets distracted because it's the structured part of the brain. It's not your creative part of the brain. So it goes, oh, she's only doodling on paper. I don't have to pay attention to that. Let me go see what else I can watch. So in the process, what happens is that other wonderful little creative, um, wondering, curious voice in your head gets a little bit louder because it's not being interrupted and says, have you thought about this? Mm. You know, and it, it, you get these ideas in your head and you go, where did that come from? Well, it came from you. It's, it's and it's amazing. I've just come through. Um, <laughs> we had our convention. We had a virtual convention, <laughs> but we had our convention um, and it was a week long. And there were Zoom calls about four times a day. And there's this huge painting that we do. And Shiloh's created this 13 step process. And I laugh because she calls it a 13 step process. But whenever I do it, it's about 50 steps. Um, And each step is specific and different and is about making marks on the canvas. It's not about, it's not about uh, recreating what you see. It's about tapping into how you feel. Um, So it's art for self-expression for yourself. And the process is way more important than the final product. And if you end up with a final product that's, that's great and somebody else likes fabulous, that's an added bonus, but, but in the process of doing it. So this latest one that I did, we call, um, she calls it legend and she's done it for the last few years. And each year it has a little bit of a different theme and the legend is full of um, story about getting together with other women and exploring things. And, and she takes us on meditations through different places and, and these little clues come up in these meditations. And so if there are a hundred people doing this painting process, you'll come out with a hundred completely different paintings because the messages that we each receive from within are different. Sure about who our ally is or what symbol is our symbol for moving forward and, and things like that. Mm. It's phenomenal. It's yeah. And, and it's also exhausting. (laughs) Well, that internal work is. So I find it fascinating that you, you can use art and creativity to, to get those answers. And you said when you started doing this, that just by moving the pen or the paintbrush, I started to heal. And what did the healing feel like? Like, how did you know you were healing? Um, the, there's there's healing in, in a bunch of different ways. One is, the first obvious one is that that tension that I perpetually carry um, changed. Um, it might not have gone completely away and it comes and goes and so on, but but I'm one of these people that there's probably a, a little bit of, of long uh, low-grade anxiety amongst all of that. So I carry my my tension and my nervousness and my worriedness in my neck, shoulders, and gut. Mm-hmm. And I could feel those knots untightening um, as I was doing it. So a physical response. There's a phys- there, was a, there was a physical response. There was also the whole um, 
and that there's physical response there that you don't even notice too, in terms of slowing your breathing and um, just, just, it's one of those things you just have to do it, but feeling more positive, feeling okay. brighter um, because you're examining some things in a very, very gentle way. That's a good, um, that's a good point. It's gentle, right? It's gentle. And it's also, I mean, and you can back off if you want to. And some of the problem with um, people who have faced trauma is when they're, they go to seek help with dealing with the trauma, then they have to relive the trauma. Sure. In order to explain it to someone in this way, you don't have to do that. Um, you, you can move on from it. Um, and just start creating a new picture. So then you're not looking back, you're looking forward and you're, you're looking into the future, um, imagining the possibilities not caught in what your reality is. And, and they talk about changing your outlook mm-hmm. and that's half the battle. How, how so? You mean a positive outlook or having hope? Yeah, any of that. Um, you know, if, if if you're having a bad day and and somebody changes that little tiny tweak that points you in a different direction, then, uh, you know, it, it, things get a little bit better. Mm. So if you're creating a new reality, then you can make that reality the way you want it. Mm. I know it sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? No, it sounds, um, it makes perfect sense. And I, so just as a, a quick example, so you, you said you could ask some existential questions. So you might, what what kind of questions would you ask? And then you would have a task to draw something or you're drawing anything while you're asking yourself this question or doodling? You're, or, you, or is you it a response a timer? To it? Yeah. So, so if you're asking, and it doesn't even have to be an existential question, it could be uh, which biz, which way direction do I want my business to go? And, and so you, you just sit down, you grab a piece of paper and sit down, set a timer for yourself. And, and you don't, some people do this with their eyes closed. So they're not even looking at what they're creating. Some people use their non-dominant hand. So they have no control over what they're creating. Um, and when I do it, I've got scribbles all over my page and they mean nothing. Um, but somewhere along the way, um, after doing the doodling, I ask myself purposely the question again and an answer will come forward. Hmm. And then it's up to me to decide whether I'm going to do something with that answer or not. But chances are really good that I would not have thought of that without doing that process because that answer would be creative, different, outside of the box thinking. So it's like you have a key to unlock something. I know. It's so cool. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> but what I'm hearing is when you're doing this, there's a con- connectedness and mindfulness. And if there's one thing I've come to know about really successful people, I often talk about meditation on the show and a lot of successful people do it, but it's not that you have to be uh, this grand meditator, but it's things like this, what you're explaining this are things where it forces us to go inward and connect with that inner self. And that's when we get, begin to unlock 
things. Um, I think we sometimes ask ourselves the same questions over and over again, but we actually don't answer them uh, because we're using like the egoic brain. And when we go inward, as you're suggesting, and tap into our highest self, we get the answers from a much higher qualified source. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to learn to listen to that. That's like intuition. So when you say you hear an uh, an answer or you get an answer, is it a thought that pops into your head? Yeah. 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 yeah and, yeah, just... and how did you learn to trust that? Did you, um, I don't know, maybe you were always trusting your thoughts like that, or how did you build intuition and trust when those thoughts popped into your head? Um, I guess the answer to that is I, I hadn't had the opportunity to do that. So you just never did it before. And I'd this was new. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't, um, I tried meditation and I'm, you know, the, the common, complaint with people who first try meditation is they cannot shut their brain down (laughs) because everything just keeps flowing through. Um, And, uh, but when you're doodling, your brain is half concentrating on what you're putting on paper. Mm -hmm. So it's in addition to being the, having that critical side of you go, can't be bothered. um, The other part is going, Oh, there's a little thing going on here. And, and then it it sort of clears the way for this to pop up. Mm. Um, And it's interesting because there is some science connected with um, manifesting images and rewiring the brain and um, some quantum physics stuff connected to all of this creation and art um, and why it's important. Um, and, and one of the basic things is, is in order to manifest something, you first have to imagine it. Mm. And it's hard sometimes to imagine it unless you have a way of expressing it. Um, so like when, when there's a, like a little child, like these kids are the absolute best conduits of information. It's just that we don't understand them. Right. Um, they're the best at self-expression. And uh, so if if you've ever watched a, a, a little person create a drawing, they're up until a certain age, they're not worried whether they've got their perspective right or if the colors are perfect or, but they'll look at this and go, this is me and this is you and we're holding hands Mm. and somewhere along the way somebody has looked at that and either not understood it not let the child explain it or scoffed at it Mm. and uh and i love the fact that you can you imagine if you're uh, you know if, if you're three years old and you get handed a piece of eight by ten paper and a crayon that's gold eh? you, you, mm. get, you, you make your big movements and all of that stuff and and as you get older the paper stays the same size you get bigger and the movements of your hand get regulated so that you're starting to follow inside lines and then you get even smaller because you're trying to learn to print letters and then you get even smaller if you're trying to learn 
cursive, which they don't do anymore. And then you get even smaller when you start using a keyboard. And that keyboard is, is one more step from whatever's in your head to whatever screen you're using to have the final product sit on. So everything that we've done has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And you can just, you can feel yourself getting smaller and tightening mm. up and so on as you do that. Um, and abiding by the rules, like you said, like yeah. it, it becomes more structure that you have to live by and it feels very rigid and immovable and all that easygoingness of childhood goes out the window. Exactly. And children, I mean, they can, they can go outside and, and they can take a, a rock and pretend it's a house and then take another rock and pretend it's a person walking to the house. And I mean, it, it, it comes so naturally, naturally yeah. to be creative like that until somebody says, oh, don't be so silly or don't play in the mud because I got to wash your clothes or so or even worse. This is this is my my absolute worst is is people who talk about talent, mm. because what happens when you talk about talent is a couple of things. One is it's a judgment's call. Right. And two, as soon as somebody labels somebody with or without talent, then things change and what you're doing isn't fun anymore. Like how many, how many kids in school would have sung in a choir and somebody heard them sing and go, Ooh. Um, but what's to say they can't sing while they're doing things? You know, it's, 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 it's all the yourself. rules that other people put on us. Oh yeah, and then we become so afraid to do it because then we're afraid of making mistakes, and then oh. right, mm -hmm. and then we're afraid to being scolded, and on, and then it starts this little snowball effect of um, that was my whole life, my yeah. whole life. I am, I am a number one rule follower, and I'm a perfectionist, mm. and uh, now I'm able to pull that back a little bit and go, I don't have to be perfect. Right. You can and, buy your own rules. I can, I can live a little larger. Like, can you imagine, I don't know what your art background is, but can you imagine looking at a four by five foot blank canvas? No. <laughs> I'll tell you what my art background is. Zero. <laughs> well, we need to change that, Dana. <laughs> so that's how I big. I, I, I work that big. And it's wonderful because the way um, the way Shiloh has set this up is you have all of these underpaintings, and um, I, I take pictures as I go just because people don't believe how much is underneath it. But the underpaintings are wonderful because you're playing. It's mm. the best part because it's like, okay, well let's uh, let's make some marks about light, and you're going, okay, so light would be like a lighter color and you know, just make some marks. The very first thing she likes to do is say, put the mark on the, uh, the first thing she likes to do is say, write your intention on here. Mm. So you, you take a, a marker or paint and write what you're working on with this painting. And then she says, okay, now you got to put your mark on it. So you put some mark or symbol on it saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm doing this work. Mm. And you go from there. It's, it's quite fun. It sounds um, until fun. until you get to the point where 
then that critic starts creeping in because if you decide that you need to put like a face or something that's semi true to life in it, that's when the nerves kick back in and you don't think that you're going to uh, recreate what is out there Mm. instead of following what's within you. Mm. Um, And that I still gotten to that point where I want to make my paintings look like something because I'm still new enough in this that I want, I want people to look at them and go, okay, I recognize that. (laughs) Yeah. Because I've spent 50 odd years expecting people to judge what I do. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we live in a world where there, you know, let alone in judgment from ourselves, let alone from other people, you know, exactly. You know, absolutely. So how do we use um, creativity or art or this intentional creativity to connect to something bigger than yourself? And I guess maybe you've already touched on it and the fact that you just, the fact that you're doing that, you're asking yourself a question and then you can paint or doodle that you get an answer. Is that how you see it? Or is there something else going on or another way to connect? There's a lot of ways to connect. Um, Convention I was talking about in this, this big painting that we did, um, the painting was full of visualizations and tasks that involved writing because that's all part of that creative process it's taking what's in your head and making it come to life somehow so the 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 quantum principle be, that's involved in a bit of this is there's a and I'm not a scientist I don't know how to explain it very well but there's a principle that um that molecules react differently when they are being observed. It's called the two-slit experiment. And the molecules behave differently when they did it one way as opposed to when they did it the other way. Um, and it was almost like they knew somebody was watching them. Um, and uh, I think it was Einstein called it uh, spooky science. If you can take a random thought and get it to the point where you can see it or identify it or give it some sort of visible mark, then your reaction with it and your observation has changed it. Hmm. It's like as soon as you have committed it to a form other than in your head, and it could be music, it could be um, you know, cooking, it could be any of that, anything creative. But as soon as you commit it to something that's not that that is physical in some way um then you have changed what it is Hmm. that's a really great way to put that an interesting an interesting perspective the other thing that um intentional creativity does really well is that you know those thought loops you get stuck in your head? <laughs> no, I don't know anything about that. No, we not, nobody knows about those thought loops. I've, I've spent years, you replay all your conversations, whatever. But it's a great way of interrupting them. Mm-hmm. Because those thought loops are generated by that structure side that's trying to keep you safe. And the creative side just changes it just a, enough that it bumps that loop. It bumps you out of the loop. And then uh, something pops up. 
it feels like it's bringing you back to yourself, like always returning to that inner self, right? Because oh, yeah. that we loop out, go out to the egoic mind, which is looping, looping, looping. Then it's like, bring it back, bring it back. And if we can do that on a daily basis, uh, that's, you know, a very uh, a pra- a spiritual practice, really. But art is another way to do that, which seems, um, it's, it seems amazing, really. Um, how, how has um, art transformed your life? Like, I'm sure you can see the shift in yourself. How long have you been doing this now, intentional creativity? You know what? It's only been about a year and a half. Wow. And and But I bet you've seen a big change within yourself, a shift. There's, there's a big change within me, but what I notice most is the change that people are noticing in me. Oh. You know, they, they, they looked at me within a couple of months of, of doing this. And, and part of it was being off work too. They just said, you are glowing. You are shining. You look happy and healthy. Mm, Wow. And I feel better. Um, And I can, because when you're working on, even if it's a a big project or just a doodle project, there's an escapism there Mm. um, that you put stuff aside for a while. I, uh, I get in my my office studio space and uh, later in the evening, because I have a hard time working when the house is all busy and crazy with people, but as they start congregating to their rooms in the evening or whatever, and then I'll give a little yawn or something or get to a spot where I take a break and I'll check the clock and go, oh, it's three o'clock. I probably should go to bed now. (laughs) (laughs) You're a night owl. (laughs) Well, and the funny thing was, is I, I, I didn't think I was. Because I had spent 20 of those almost 30 years um, in news doing mornings. Right. So you so were staying up, up at 3 a.m. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now so, you're, you're you're staying up around the same time you used to get up. <laughs> I know. It's crazy, eh? <laughs> now, mind you, my sleep pattern sucks. But <laughs> Oh, dear. Now, if someone, is, this is resonating with them. They hear this and they're thinking, this intentional creativity, this might be, um, art might be an outlet for me to get in touch with myself or to work through some things. Um, how, how do they get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that? You know what? The best way is probably uh, just to go to my website. And and actually on the website, um, if you sign up for my newsletter, uh, there's a little package, a little ebook I've called uh, Dynamic Doodles. And there's 10 exercises there that you can play with. They take about five minutes, depending on how much time you want to put in them. Um, and they're little thought-provoking ones. And I'll give you an example. One of the, my favorite ones is called um, compost. And so if you think about your compost bucket, you know, you throw stuff in it that you think is not necessarily valuable to you you have no use for it right now it's scraps or it's coffee grounds or it's whatever okay but it's stuff that is no good but then somehow it gets taken away or put in your big composter out back and when you add a little time and a little heat to it it comes back as such a fertile amazing substance to grow new things in Mm. so um i love doing this compost so if i have a day where i'm pissed about something (laughs) uh, i'll just take a piece of paper and i will just physically scratch how i'm feeling into that paper (laughs) 
and then I'll take a match. <laughs> I will set it on fire. And there's a nice little release there. Release. Yeah. Or I will draw my little flames and then draw this beautiful flower coming out of it. And then I might label the flower and say, okay, what is coming out of this? Mm. Yeah. Why, so, why does art speak to you? Like that you can take that. Like I know for me, I think it has a lot to do with journaling. I like words and like getting out. Why, why does art speak to you? Or why is it a good medium for you to do just like you, you said, you know, if you're mad to put it to paper with doodles? I think... I think I've been, um, I think I think metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, and I, and I play with words and that sort of thing now, and I write decently well. Um, and uh, so with art, you can picture the metaphor. I think, and I think that works um, to create something out of something else. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, I've developed an addiction for markers and art supplies. <laughs> Isn't it the best? <laughs> Office supplies, you know what I eat. Oh, it's like, or... I need the Michael's coupons. <laughs> now that we're in COVID, the Michael's coupons don't go above 30% and I need the 50 and 55% ones. <laughs> it's so true. I love new fresh marker Sharpies. You know, even as a kid, you get a fresh box of crayons. It's the best. Oh yeah. Oh, crayon. I loved a fresh box of crayons. I think everybody can. And I was so jealous of those kids who had like the 64 pack with the sharpener. It's a sharpener. <laughs> yes. I was like, Ooh, your parents are, you know, you're doing parents are doing well. You got the sharpener with the crayons. Exactly. Uh, I'm curious. Exactly. Um, What do you think of your life spiritually? How does, what spiritual lessons are you learning uh, or h- how does that art fit in with your spiritual life? Oh, it dovetails exactly with spiritual life. And how so? Um, through one of the pr- art processes that I did with Shiloh, I had this, I, um, I was supposed to, the exercise was to see my muse. I was in envisioning and I was trying to see who this wonderful person was within me. Okay. And she wouldn't let me see her. I kept, you know, that flit out of the corner of your eye. Or when I did see her later on, she had a cloak covering her half her face and that painting's almost done. So in the process of figuring out what the heck was going on, why I couldn't see her, um, you know how things come together and you don't realize that they're meant to come together. I teach a method of Sunday school called godly play. Um, in which it is based on the Montessori tradition and you use um, little figures of walking through the desert and sort of that thing. And it reinforces the theme about God playing hide and seek with God's people. And I made this connection with the muse being me and God being me because of the hide-and-seek game, that God was within me and that God was my muse and God was me and my muse was me. And I went, oh, I get that now. It's, we say it, like in church, it's like, oh, yeah, you're God's child, blah, blah, blah. But 
that moment was like this profound realization that that it was there that it was tangible i could feel it and understand mm -hmm. it mm. so yeah this is this has been so huge for me mm. it sounds like it's opened up a whole a whole other piece of you and i think if people are listening and they resonate with art and creativity that you know that may be something that they want to explore um I only have a few last questions for you, if you want to play. I <laughs> got my rapid-fire okay. soul questions. I'll play. Ah, uh, first thing that comes to mind, super easy. Um, what have you come to know about the power of being you? That if I get out of my way, hmm. I can accomplish amazing things. Um, and that's the short answer. I could give you a million examples about that, but that's the short answer. Mm, I think we can all get out of our own way. You could stand to do that. What what has become abundantly clear to you? There is connection. There is connection between everything, everybody, um, all around the world. Like there's, what's abundantly clear to me is that there is. On a molecular level, there is an energy. We're all made from the same stuff. Everything is made from stardust. Um, you know, whether it's a tree or a rock or us, we've all come out of the Big Bang. Hmm. And so, therefore, we are absolutely connected. And lastly, what does the world need most? to recognize that connection and treat each other with love and respect. Thank you for this creative, artful conversation. Um, it's given me a lot to think about it and how we can use the power of art in our lives. I, I appreciate this. Oh, I, thank you so much for having me. And uh, maybe at some point in the future, you and I can play with some paint together. Yes. Help me find myself. <laughs> <laughs> you're there. Yeah, I'm there. You really are. Yeah. You're there. <laughs> thank you, Natalie. Oh, you're welcome, Dana. Have a marvelous day. That was such a great conversation. If you loved it too, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. And if you want to continue the conversation, connect with Soul Sister Conversations on the Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dana Lloyd Leadership, on Twitter at CoachDana underscore Lloyd, and of course on LinkedIn. See you next week.